Hey, 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 all right. Sunday night, September 9th, 8.46 p.m. here in Arizona. And what do you think it is? Well, how hot do you think it is out here? It is a freaking 99 degrees. And it's been dark for a couple hours. We're still 99. It's a time to walk the bud, of course. But... This is a podcast, so you don't get the significance, perhaps, of the uh, timing. But we just watched the Green Bay Packers start their 100th season. So some of you might be not really into sports. I know one listener probably doesn't really care too much about sports. But, uh, hey, this is my podcast, so I get to talk about what I want, right? So I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if my team didn't win. Let's say that. <laughs> I think I think I would be pretty pretty uh, depressed right now. But and it did look bad. It was quite exciting. It was the hero's journey tonight. And we got the story for those of you writing books. It's the hero's journey. Down twenty to nothing. The the star player of the opposition should have been on your team, but there was some kind of goofy trade thing going on. So now he's playing for the enemy. Khalil Mack from Oakland gets traded to the Chicago Bears. And he has a great first half, he's awesome. And uh, the hero, Aaron Rodgers, uh, of the green quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, he's the hero. He goes down in the first half, injury. Look, did he tear his ACL? We don't know. Does he? Oh, what is it? He comes back. It's not an ACL injury. Whoa. ACLs are a ligament in your knee. When that goes out, you're done for a year. So that's not good for the first game of the season. So fortunately, that's not what we have. And he's, he comes back in the second half. And uh, it's 17 nothing Bears in the first, first half. And... Uh, and Khalil Mack, who's on the Bears now instead of the Packers, um, strips the backup quarterback, Deshaun Kaiser, of the ball when the Packers were at the five-yard line. And they should have got at least three points out of that. And then they get none. And then later on in, this, in the first half, Khalil Mack intercepts the ball and runs it in for a touchdown. So Khalil Mack, super stud defensive player, looks like he's... He's going to be the savior of the Chicago Bears. But it takes more than one guy to win the game. So you got Aaron Rodgers comes back. And at this point, they're down 20 to nothing. And uh, just has got a gimpy leg. We're still not sure if it's ankle or MCL. It's different ligament. But um, yeah, exciting. <laughs> uh, goes ahead with like two minutes left, 24 to 23, and the defense has to hold them that they, they do. So, good team win all around. Start out the year 1 0. Amazing. The 100th season of the Green Bay Packers with a win against their rivals, the Chicago Bears. And it's the 97th win 
of the Packers over the Bears, and the Bears have 94. So we lead the head-to-head, all time, head-to-head. And uh, first one to 100 wins, right? So we just need three more games, and we get to 100. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it won't happen in 100 seasons, but that's the way it is with these ties. They used to have tied games a lot. All right, all right, so that's the football. And what, so what, what do we learn about it? I guess, I don't know, maybe, maybe, I mean, other people may love music, have other interests, movies, what, I don't know, you, you know, you listen to this podcast. Now it's, I'll reach out to the listener now. So let's, you know, what, what is your goofy, to me, I mean, football is goofy, right? I mean, should I let, a team in Green Bay, Wisconsin, affect my mood. And I, I know I shouldn't let it affect my mood, but I, I can't help it. It does. It's affect. I'm in a good mood right now. And uh, it's just a classic win. It was just so funny the way it played out. And that's what's fun about sports is, unless you're talking about, I mean, for a while there, I was wondering, is this pro wrestling? You know, but pro wrestling is done and they usually have somebody pre-chosen to win right that's that's the joke about pro wrestling and you know you don't think about that in any other sport but this was like a fairy tale type of a story game and i just i can't believe with you know with all the people and the money that's in football and how important winning i just don't believe that it's scripted you know i mean are they fooling us i don't know i don't think so there's enough teams and interest that it's uh, there's no reason to script these games so i'm not trying to start a conspiracy theory here but that's the way it is so yeah that was uh very entertaining very uh satisfying for me and i'm in a good mood so i don't mind walking bud so here we are and uh mars is up there again shining down, reflecting down the sunlight from the surface of Mars. And it appears to be red, because that's just the way it is. That's Mars. So, um, yeah, my older son came over with his girlfriend and was here watching the game a little bit. She was doing some work, dedicated, doing her stuff. That's good. And uh, we, we enjoyed some excitement. And the dog, Bud, was, was we jumped around the living room when Randall Cobb scored a touchdown, the, the go-ahead touchdown. We, uh, we kind of had a good time about that, which Bud, the dog, reacts with barking because we're all screaming. So it was cool. And the younger son, he didn't get home until it was like 20 to 3 or something crazy like that. So he was a good locker for us. So, yeah, so anyways, for the listener, for you, for your, you put the time in, you're listening to uh, talk about sports. So, yeah, the, you know, there, you probably have something that just gets you excited and you enjoy it, and, and that's good. But again, it doesn't, I mean, should this team, again, the question is, 
to this team in Green Bay, Wisconsin that plays a game affect my mood? And really they shouldn't. So if they had lost, I'd be disappointed and I wouldn't be very excited about talking and making, creating a podcast or being creative, I guess, right? It would shut me down emotionally, I guess, to be excited. So, yeah, I guess I'm just being, what am I being? Self-introspective, not self, but just introspective in general about my reaction to things. And, uh, of course, at this moment, probably, it's only it's fresh. The game just ended about 15 minutes ago. So I'm sure there's all kinds of people complaining, arguing, like, oh, this guy should have done that, and this should have done that. <laughs> and there'll be people, there's people all around the country talking about it now, talking about all kinds of stuff about this game. And uh, it's just a game, and it's over, and Green Bay won, so that's great. And they play the Vikings next week, which is another must-win. So hopefully Rodgers won't uh, get injured, and they'll be able to play the whole game. And uh, we'll go from there. But, uh, yeah. So it's 99 degrees, September 9th, at basically 9 o'clock at night. So this is nuts. It's a bit warm. Uh, it's pretty uncomfortable out here. But Bud needs a walk, so we're doing doing Bud's walk. What are you gonna do, Bud? You gonna you wanna check that out? Okay. And I probably should give Bud a bath, but I'll probably have to do that tomorrow. And uh, so I, I I played a little different Mindy A Bear song at the beginning of this. I don't know if you're getting the intro music. I'm using the Anchor FM, so they let you put in little. 30 second bites of music once in a while but I don't really know if they, they come out on iTunes or not but if I, I'm pretty sure if you listen on Anchor you get it so that's how that goes and uh, yeah so I've been looking you know it's weird it's like I look forward to this game for the last few months, and here it is. It's here already. I couldn't believe it. I can remember over 100 days ago thinking, wow, 100 days. It's three months away. I'm waiting for this game to happen. And uh, so it was good. Huh? But, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun because, uh, I mean, I, the history, my personal history and family and just thinking about stuff. So, uh, the George Hallis was the Bears guy, and it, you know, and it turns out like one of his daughters. I don't know if he only had. I don't know if George Hallis only had daughters. He probably did only have daughters. But uh, he put his daughter Virginia in charge of the team. So there's this. Turns out she's 95 years old. And they showed a picture of her sitting in the Green Bay Stadium from Chicago, right? And she must have married an Irish guy or Scottish guy named McCaskey. So the McCaskey family's been running the Bears since George Hallis died, probably about 40 years ago. But 
Virginia's 95. A lot of Bear fans, they blame the, the lack of performance. So the last time the Bears were sort of good was 1985. So 15 plus 18, we're talking 28, 33 years ago. You know, it's been a long time. I mean, a lot of people blame it on the McCaskey family. <laughs> and I'm like, fine, blame it on them. Go ahead. As long as they, the expression the Packers have is the Bears still suck. Sorry, it's a little bit crude, but we like it. We like it. And it, it was the, the Bears led the head-to-head since 1933, and it was just last year. That's a long time, from 1933 to 2017, to be able to, like, say that you have beaten the other team more often than they got you. So there you go. It's, it's turned. It's history. 100th, 100th season. So, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just talking. You know, how this, you know how this podcast goes. This podcast is just random, so no prep. Um, what else? What else can I say? I, uh, let's see. I got a fun week, I guess, ahead of me. I got to kick it into high gear a little bit, do some stuff. Take care of some stuff. Probably actually a lot of stuff to get done this week. And I'm not going to get to it till tomorrow. So I'll just I'll fit it in. And I, you know, I guess we can stress over stuff. I, I used to do that much more often. And it's probably, that's probably a good thing that I, I know, I recognize that I was, be more stressed full or whatever than I and you know that I'm like letting go a little bit more and like I'll get it done I'll get it done <laughs> so I, <laughs> so we'll get it done whatever I need to do I got about I don't know four or five tasks to get done this week so we'll get them done but I, I guess I get a little little concerned like oh man I wonder you know does this person know where I'm at in the process and I'm not as far as they think I, maybe I should be or I'm doing it differently than somebody else would do it, blah, blah, blah. So we'll get there. You know, some people say I'm too old for this stuff, but yeah, it's a luxury, right? <laughs> We're, if that's an excuse, you can't, can't say I'm too old for this stuff, but that, that's kind of bogus. So what am I, what else about? Physically, I uh, lifted weights pretty heavily yesterday. I mean, I, I'm working on um, getting rid of fat and putting on lean muscle, which is working out pretty good. And I've been doing it for about two months, so I like that. And uh, I'll check and see what my status is tomorrow and see if I've really dumped I think I might have dumped 10 pounds of fat already, which, I don't know, maybe that's a little too much. Maybe I only dumped off eight. And uh, it's probably not that surprising. I mean, the goal was to lose 20 in a year, and it's only been two months, so maybe the first bunch of fat comes off quickly. I don't know. 
but um, I, I'm kind of happy the way this is going. I did try to run this morning four miles, and I didn't. it was more than try. I did do it, but it was um, because I had just lifted weights less than probably just over 12 hours earlier. So I only had 12 hours of rest, and probably my muscles were probably um, not real happy with me and my legs. So I did do some squats, and quads are real important for running. So I, I wasn't really happy with my run, but I still finished what I had to do and did a little bit of walking, and it was a little warmer out today too than previous. So it wasn't my best run, but I, I, I'm happy I did it. But it does kind of wipe me out, man. I, on the one hand, it, I uh, I finished. I wanted to get to church, blah, blah, blah. So I get into church. I'm kind of pumped. And uh, so what I did was it was a, a family I know. One guy teaches a rock and roll class, history of rock and roll class at a community college. And he's at church. And my wife and I watched the Jersey Boys, a movie about um, Frankie Valley, I guess it is, and uh, almost my era. I mean, the, the, not really, it shouldn't be my era, but um, in the 60s and the 70s, he was, the four seasons were a big deal. The movie was pretty good. I, it was interesting. And uh, so, yeah, I talked about that a bit. And then, of course, my just talking about that, I think someone talking about promotion and the music industry. It's, how, it's pretty crazy. It's like only the last, I don't know, 50, 60 years, you know, you can make a living being like a performer like that. It's pretty cool. I mean, different genres and things, whether it's jazz or uh, rock and roll. But, yeah, the rock and roll performers are the the big the big thing these days so that's kind of cool it's kind of cool to follow that and um, I like this jazz performer Mindy Aber. well you should probably know that if you listen to my podcast and you get the music intros I usually pick one of her songs and today's was play to win I have I usually use bloom which is kind of like more classic Mindy and today was uh, from the bone shakers and it's play to win it's a football song so that's why that song's on there if you listen to it. And it's about playing to win. And that's what they did tonight. The pack. They played to win. <laughs> oh, that feels so good. Um, but she also wrote a book on performance. I'm like, you know what? I'll get it. I'm going to get this book. Because I'm performing right now on this podcast, whether I like it or not. So there's like, it's, there's two things. There's the I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to myself, processing things, but I also want to entertain, right? I want to keep the listener excited about what we're, what we're talking about. And usually what people do to do that, what a lot of people do is prepare. <laughs> they prepare some message or some, something, some subject that someone might be interested in. Hey, here's another dog. Howdy. Good. Friendly? He's friendly. Oh, good. Hopefully you're not a bear fan because that didn't turn out tonight. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Chicago, but not a fan. 
You're not a Bear fan? Oh, you're from Chicago. Okay. Well, yeah. I'm from Chicago too, but. What part? Deerfield. Deerfield? Right. Yeah. I'm suburb, south. Homewood. South Homewood. All right. Well, here we are in 99 degrees at 9 o'clock at night. It's hot out here, right? I was hoping it'd start cooling off by now. A couple more weeks. Well, have right. a good night. You too. Come on, boo. So there you go, folks. In the dark of the deserts, walking the dog. In Phoenix, Arizona, another dog walker from Homewood, Illinois. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> so is that value to you, to the listener? So the value is... Man, the world has changed a lot, right? In the just last 50 years or something. I mean, shoot, phones, travel, job changes, people moving. It's so easy to move. Just move, just go somewhere. And uh, I even have this theory on how to like end the violence in Chicago. If, if someone would just like grab like I don't know grabs the wrong word but that's like the the uh the reality of it but if you could just get like half the people that are like violent in this area and just like okay we're gonna move you to Texas for six months and put you to work you know and give you a job or do something just get them out of their city I mean there's so much baggage when you if you I think about you get so familiar with your surroundings that there it, it eventually you get baggage from your surroundings so if they could just get those people out for a while get them out of their situation and it might break the cycle of their their violence and things but it's probably a lot more complicated because they're probably basing their uh, economics on what they do which is probably illegal stuff and get in trouble and then they take it out on other people come on bud we got the roaring lion out here the roaring lion dog and uh yeah so i don't know uh, the stars are really bright tonight it's hot dark and uh we want it to be cooler so i don't know if we start getting if the people start getting a little bit antsy because it's September 9th and it's not cool yet. <laughs> it's still, I think I looked at the, like the next seven days or so. It's still going to be like 105 to 108. Oh my gosh. This has got to end. And it will. It'll end. And um, yeah, perspective, right? Jeez. We get um, in the moment, we can get so... Um, excited or impatient about something and frustrated about a specific thing and I'm, I'm kind of feeling like it's good to just kind of chill out and just kind of like slow down and Stephen Covey I think his book he talks about like reaction time like just because something happens and it, your your brain triggers on something it's like pausing that time to to let things not trigger well you're going to get triggered but like how we react to it right so there's certain things that we all get triggered by different things so i guess i'm just i don't know maybe you just get older and you just hear 
you just get too tired to instantly respond. <laughs> Anyways, so there's that. So I, the, the biggest value I think I add to the listener, I hope, is just pleasant sounding talk. You know, I mean, again, I don't prepare things, but you hopefully will be encouraged by something, something magical. The human experience, right? We are all human, but we do, we're very peculiar and we have our own weird things. So for me, the weird thing is I like this football team called the Green Bay Packers. So, and I'm not alone with it, but I mean, I also don't, I feel fairly independent about it. So like, I don't feel like I need to be around other fans. I mean, I get it. I can see it on TV. I see thousands of people cheering and I get, I get the excitement and I see that they're pretty jazzed about it. So that's cool. And, uh, I guess my sadistic side is it inflicts pain on the bear fans, which also bring, brings me pleasure because <laughs> I don't like the Chicago Bears and I grew up behind enemy lines. So I know I'm drifting into bears things. So, um, yeah, I'm back at my um, Baptist church. The pastors actually acknowledged my presence. That was pretty cool. I didn't go out of my way to do anything, but he's like, oh, okay, so we got something's going on there. Maybe something's going on where I can uh, have a better relationship. I'm not seeking one exactly. I'm just trying to be a pleasant person instead of a ornery guy. Um, and uh, so that was good. But he, honestly, he, he, uh, he's in Genesis, and I've been kind of, not real excited about that because I mean it's like a year he wants to do that so but whatever we'll go with it and the key thing to me is like well I need to hear from Paul and other parts especially the New Testament teachings and encouragement from there so I can't rely on just Sunday messages to be edifying and uplifting me so I have to do it myself when I'm okay with that so it's taken me a while to get to that point so I just do my thing you know so um and was it today I was in Acts 13 so Paul's just starting to do his thing and they're traveling Barnabas and Paul in their first missionary journey and it's pretty clear that they go to the synagogues first. They go to the Jews. These guys are Jewish people. And they um, they go bring the gospel message, which is pretty simple. And I, it's interesting to hear, read it over and over again. Paul and Peter and Acts basically express the message. And, uh, and then it basically says, well, those who are appointed to believe will believe. It's... It's uh, not something that we have to convince people of or prove or be right about. It's, it's that Holy Spirit opening the mind. And the best starting point in communication is just loving people. So that's where I'm trying to maintain and be at is the uh, loving people position. And uh, 
and let God be God. He's, he's God. He's big, big enough. He's got all controlled, in control. So there's that. And, uh, but uh, yeah, so we were talking about Noah today. And um, so the pastor was reading the scripture, and the scripture says that um, Noah was a righteous man and walked with God. So there's not a lot of insight into that. What does that mean? Because from our 2018 theological perspective is we have scriptures in Romans where Paul says like no one's righteous, no one not one. So would that not apply to Noah? I'm not sure. So then, then like today's discussion was that Moses wrote these documentation of the Adam and Eve and Moses wrote this and, and which we know Moses doesn't show up for 500 years after these events at least or more so he's writing somehow inspired to cover these things I don't know where he, he gets these concepts if they pass down from Abraham and so forth but Noah's even before Abraham so it's kind of you got to slow down when you read these things. It's not quite like when when the pastor today was referring to Jewish people and Israel and things. It's it's a little tricky because they didn't exist with Noah, right? Because Abraham wasn't called. He was the first Hebrew Israelite. That was much after Noah. So my personal theory is we we already know that Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden and that we're all have sin and we're all selfish and we just don't have the knowledge of God and uh, we may have the knowledge of good and evil but we don't really have a good relationship with God so we don't really walk with him and the earth from Genesis God knew when he, that Adam and Eve, like the whole human race was kind of cursed at that point, basically, or screwed, or however you want to call it. Um, so we're out. We're out of the garden, and we're on sort of on our own in a way. <coughs> and um, Moses records how the society and God's not real happy with all the things going on. So he decides to wipe out all of humankind and sort of start over with Noah in a way. There's, I mean, it could be thought of it that way, like start over with Noah, but this is where I don't get if how, how righteous Noah was, really. And didn't God really know that just because even if Noah was like some kind of special righteous dude, <clears throat> that his offspring, that, that that's my thought, is that the overall theology of the Bible says that we're all messed up in, a, in a many ways. We hurt each other. We don't take each other's considerations. We're selfish and that kind of thing. So I don't really appreciate how um, what the purpose of the flood to wipe out everybody was, but that's what happened. And the nice thing about the pastor this morning, he did say like well, that is a story we give kids like we talk about Noah's Ark like it's a real happy happy story 
but in, in many ways it's uh, a tragedy holocaust I think because the whole earth was destroyed except for the people in the ark and uh, it is kind of a challenging question I don't think I, I don't have the answer for it I mean I'm like not exactly sure why that happened I mean the text says that God was quote unquote angry but he knew that was happening so I don't know because it's not better because we're all post Noah we're all post flood Noah people so and we're screwed up and Paul said he was he's post Noah he's like a descendant of Noah too because according to the if we you know believe the story and I don't see why not and, and I don't see why not to believe that story and uh, so it is what it is right and, the, and then we'll eventually get to Genesis 12 and Abraham is called and then now we have the real beginning of the Israel the chosen people of God and that's part of God's history and uh, you know even in 2018 people are anti-semitic they hate Jewish people which is really kind of interesting I don't know I don't know I don't know why but people seem lovely right I don't know why why does it why do people hate these people it's just that hatred jealousy thing everybody's jealous of other people once you when you put people in groups I think that's the thing is if you group people then you get um, jealousy and anger and, you, and, and identifying yourself as a group like even I was reading Acts 13 today and Paul was and Barnabas were preaching in the synagogue and a lot of the Jewish people were loving it excited they're like hey come back again come back next week and tell us more so awesome right that's like a marketing marketing story you don't you don't want to give away everything the first week right you want them to you, it wasn't stated that that was Paul's plan but the first the first Sabbath he was teaching and they ended and they're like hey you got to come back next Saturday next Sabbath and Paul and Barnabas should have been going like hey great marketing strategy you know we got them wanting more it's great but when they came back the next week the uh, the in-group the Jewish in-group the Jewish group leaders that wanted to control everything were jealous because they're like well, well these people are going to follow these guys and they're not going to be in our group anymore <laughs> so that's what I mean by grouping who's in the in-group and this kind of thing so yeah um, I there's a lot of talk about social justice and racism and things like that in the United States and and I don't care for it a whole lot but um, my point of view is again it's grouping it's like well you're you're suffer because of this and then yet I see Candace Owens a black woman and diamond and silk black women they're finding a way to make a good living and say very positive things and encourage people to just go do your thing you know you're gifted by God go serve and do something and you'll be rewarded for it so 
I much prefer that message. And um, and yet the many Christian leaders talk about this stuff. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. Doesn't the Bible basically say there's Jews and Gentiles? There's really only two groups. I mean, you, you can say that there's black people and there's Asian peoples and blah, blah, blah. But biblically, when it comes down to it, there's either Jews and Gentiles. So we're all Gentiles, people, unless you're from a Jewish family. So we can all be in one big group called Gentiles. And we can all be in a group. And we, that doesn't mean we have to hate the Jewish people. So let's not, let's not be anti-Semitic, which is a little bit more than Jewish, I guess, technically they say, for you people that are like 100% accurate all the time. And that brings up a point, like, uh, I, because I've been there, I'm a critic for the most part. So, it's it's too easy to be a critic, right? I'm, I mean, I've talked for 30 minutes, and I've probably said some wild ass shit that's like not even valid or not true to somebody else, right? And it's like, do we really care about everything being accurate? That's why I love this one quote from this writing coach. It's kind of like, you know. When we have hearts to set a fire, you know, accuracy and having the perfect research doesn't matter. If you can articulate an encouraging word about love, and since we're all in a fallen, broken world and we have our own brokenness of some kind or a sacred wound, we know we've been hurt, we've been damaged, we've been disappointed. So it's... Uh, we don't have to be 100% right about everything, do we? You know? And being right is overrated. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Um, hey, we're at the gate. And we're in, bud. We're, we made it. We had a good walk, bud. We're heading back home about a couple more minutes, five minutes or so. It's still hot out here. And it's uh, Monday tomorrow, and we'll get back at it. Got to get rested and uh, get a good night's sleep and uh, take on a new new week. And mine are pretty flexible. They're pretty pretty creative. I can be pretty creative in it. I gotta do some stuff, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, what don't I know, what don't I know, it's, there's uncertainty, there's ambiguity, right, so I like that when some job postings say that a person needs to deal with high ambiguity, isn't that a, that's a wonderful job description, like, yeah, I can deal with high ambiguity. What the heck? Yeah, okay. We're dealing with high ambiguity, folks. That's what life is. So maybe they put that in a job descriptions because engineers are tend to be more, they don't like ambiguity. They got to have all the facts and everything has to be just right. And you have to have a right answer for it. You got to have an equation. You got to have a formula. You got to be able to solve the formula mathematically to uh, 
to make progress, whereas humans, we people, we're all ambiguous. <laughs> Deep thought. So in the last couple of minutes here, think about ambiguity and uh, how I think there's somebody talking about communication too. And that's where, you know, communication is very ambiguous. I think I smell some coffee in someone's house, which is for Arizona is unusual because we have our homes closed up so much for air conditioning that a lot of natural kitchen aromas don't make their way outside all the time. But anyways, side note, ambiguity, ambiguous communication. It's, uh, yeah, not understanding each other, which happens all the time. Because we probably, with some people, we might have 20, 30% understanding, others, you know, we get to like 60 or 70% understanding, you know. It's great to have an understanding communication relationship. And uh, that's awesome. But most of our lives are probably ambiguous. So we'll try to deal with our ambiguity and comparison is another thing we don't want to do. We don't want to compare ourselves to other people. And uh, There's a guy named Michael Hyatt who's like so high energy, positive dude about planning your life out, which I guess is good, but it doesn't resonate with me. So his market is people that like to write things down in books and schedule their time and check off the box and have that endorphins, I guess, from feeling like, ah, got that accomplished, you know. And I suck at that. Maybe because I don't get endorphins from it. <laughs> endorphins. Brain endorphins. Brain chemical release. Oh, I got this done. I probably do get a little bit of that, but it's just not enough to override my preference for freewheeling um, thinking because I'm so brainstormish thing. I like to think of a lot of thoughts and try to see how if they fit together and if they don't or can fit together. And I probably force thoughts together and say, hell yeah, they fit. But that's me. That's what I do. It's okay. Because I just finished walking a dog. And if I didn't have a podcast to talk about it on, no one would know those are my thoughts. Now, does it help you? To know that I have thoughts like that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just one person with some thoughts. And I would say to you that they're not right, wrong, or good or bad. They're just, they are what they are. And bud, we made it home, so I'm going to wash your feet and do that. And maybe I'll cool off. I don't know, it's so stinking hot still. 
isn't it, bud? I lift you up. I don't know. I don't know what I should call this uh, podcast. Probably, really, I'm, I'm motivated to do this because of the football's back or something. I don't know. And uh, it's really the only game I cared about today. There was like 14 other games out there, 13 or 14 other games, 12 other games. And uh, most of them didn't like go awesome like it or whatever, but um, yeah. So I don't know what, what should we call this podcast? I think I'm just going to dedicate it to the 100th season which got off to a nice start tonight. And uh, we'll have to see if we can keep this roll, this thing go rolling. Look kind of dodgy there for uh, for a bit. And uh, dang. So good night, everybody. We will uh, catch up to you on another podcast and I walked inside the house there's a little bit of background noise sorry so good night